The reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 22. Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. What a wonderful gospel reading this morning. I just want to dive straight into uh, three parts of, uh, to this sermon. There are three parts distinct to this text. It begins with a blind person, and I love the way that Jesus likes to heal the blind. And I think it is not just because he thinks uh, that is a particular illness that needs specific healing all the time, but I think he does this in a prophetic way. God wants us to see right in a spiritual way. He wants us to be able to understand the world as he sees it. He wants our vision to align with his. And the wonderful thing about this first part to me is that there are actually people around this blind man who bring this blind man to Jesus. Because what happens here is what we are all called to do, to bring people to Jesus, to accompany people and say, look, I have seen something and I want you to see it too. 
And so this person or these people are bringing this blind man to Jesus because they know that Jesus can make that person see. And conversion and understanding and having faith is something that the Holy Spirit will initiate and work within us. And it's God's work in the people. But what we can do is actually bring our friends. And I remember well when um, my sister came back from a confirmation class. They went on a trip away. They came back and, and she had come to see that Jesus is more than just a story in the Bible. The, the vicar had, has been able at that time to explain to the young confirmants that Jesus is a person that you can get to know today. And she came home with her 14 years uh, of age, and um, you know, my mother noticed a difference in her life, and she said, what's happened to you? She said, well, I can't really explain it to you very well. Go to the wife of the vicar, she will explain it to you better than I can. So my mum went, of course, and said, what have you done to my daughter? And then, uh, you know, she kindly explained everything about Jesus and that you can live with him now and then that you can pray and that he will change your way of seeing things to his way. And she wanted to convert on the spot, but the, the lady said, no, go home, bring your husband, come for a meal and come together and hear that together. And so my mom did, <laughs> brought my dad, and they had a wonderful meal together. And it was just like this, you know, friends bringing the blind to Jesus. And there they were sitting, having their meal. My dad was very, very cautious. He thought faith was a crutch. Uh, you know, yes, I mean, we all need a crutch, don't we? <laughs> he, he probably hadn't realized that he needed one at that time. But, you know, they were talking, and he was... He was doubting quite a lot. He was into Greek philosophy and that sort of thing, but he had a good sparring partner in, in the vicar who had read all the books he had read too. And they disappeared into his study at some point. And at, by the end of the evening, my dad in the study with the vicar, my mum in the lounge with uh, the vicar's <laughs> wife, both gave their lives to Jesus and said, we want to follow Jesus. Now that's friends taking someone to Jesus and then God initiating something. So my first point I want to make is God is a great initiator. He loves drawing people to himself. But we are taking a role in this. You know, you and I are those friends that take people who can't quite see yet to the Father and say, look, can you heal this person? Can you restore vision? And of course, God loves doing that. And we do this in two ways. We do this by inviting people but we also do it by being witnesses to them and saying, I've seen something, and I'm aware you might not see it the same way, but why don't you come with me, and why don't you come and knock on that door of faith and see whether God will open. And this is the first thing that happens in our text here. And I love it that it's a process. First, that person starts to see and see the people like trees walking around. They haven't got full vision yet, but maybe there's a start. And this is the journey of faith as, as I've seen it too. See, when, when my sister came, uh, came back, my, my parents got converted, I saw them in the mornings praying and reading the Bible, and I said, what are you doing? And they said, well, we've started to follow Jesus. And I said, what's this? What, what do you do? 
and they've said, oh, that's what we're doing, we're praying, we're reading the Bible, we're, we want to know more about God. I said, can I join you? And they said, yes, but you need to make an appointment with Vicar. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I made an appointment with the Vicar. I was 12 years old. And, uh, and it was Christmas Eve, uh, 1978, after the service, when I gave my life to Jesus in his, in his uh, house. And we prayed together. And, and so I joined. But then, of course, the journey began. You know, my, my life, you know, with all my experience of a 12-year-old, uh, you know, ha hadn't changed from one moment to the next. It was a journey. First of all, you see slightly, not in focus, but you start seeing. And you start seeing the way that God sees. But it's a discipleship process. And this is what the scripture is inviting us to understand as well. So, again, there is prayer and there is a receiving of sight and there is a relationship. You know, as we follow Jesus, we see more and more clearly. And then there comes that point of decision where you then are asked, well, how do you see Jesus? And you can answer here when Jesus asks, but who do you say I am? And Peter replies, you are the Messiah. Well, there's a lot of seeing going on until then. There's a lot of understanding unfolding in that person's life when they suddenly understand, well, there is life. There is not just life. It's the Messiah. It's the Son of God. And God is God, and I'm not God. And therefore, I bow my knees, and therefore, I repent, and therefore, I start thinking in new ways, and I submit my life to this God. And then, so we've got this initiation, and then this moment of agreement. You are the Messiah. I agree. I align myself with the way you see the world. So initiation is one thing. You, you are being given the right information, but if you don't agree with that information, not much will happen. But this information needs to be agreed with and made personal at some point in your life. And God is always knocking at the, the door of your heart and saying, will you let me in? Who am I to you? Am I just that person that turns up on Sundays? Or am I the person you call when you're in trouble? Or who am I to you? And will we answer, you are my Lord? And seeing Jesus as Lord and the Messiah, that means that we follow him even when the going gets tough. And this is what Jesus talks at the third moment there. So we've got initiation, we've got the agreement, and now we need the fulfillment we need the walking of the talking. We need the, the flesh on the bones. And that's where we come in verse uh, 31. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, by three, but three days later he would rise from the dead. And as he talked about this openly, with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. You see, P Peter had an understanding, you are the Messiah. But the working out of the Lordship of Christ in his life hadn't quite taken traction. And that's brought him into this troublesome place where he started to reprimand his Lord. I mean, have you ever heard of anyone reprimanding his Lord? 
if you reprimand the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, what will happen? You think he will change his mind? Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. He'd fallen back into seeing things like trees, you know, where things are not clear. Peter was trying. And it encourages me that that's part of the human way of following God, that there are great heights of clarity, but then also depths of despair and doubt creeping in and wondering where I'm going and not quite understanding this Lord that's leading and talking about death and a concept of resurrection that I've never heard of. You know, how can I cope with that? But Jesus makes it clear there is unreality and there's reality. And Satan rules over the kingdom of unreality, whereas God rules over the kingdom of reality. And he's drawing Peter out and he's saying, leave that Satan stuff behind. You're following me here. And then verse 34, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross and follow me. How different that call is from sometimes the call that we put out there as his disciples and saying, come to Jesus and your life will be 150 times better than before and everything will be solved and you'll just be happy and rich and glorious. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is actually saying, if you want to follow, be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. Why is he calling to a life of self-denial? It is because God has character and his character is cruciform. His character is a, a, a character of self-denial. And this is exactly what he's inviting his disciples into. He's saying, when you come to me, you will actually be, come more and more, or be turned more and more into my image. You're expressing myself, and I will move into you and will live out my self-denying character through you into this world. And that will look in, in different ways. It will be shown in, in the way that you are you. So there is a Jens-shaped Christ walking around because Christ is in me. And there is a Clive-shaped uh, Jesus walking around because there is Christ in Clive. And so it goes. You can put your name into that. And God wants to show his glory through the way that he has made you. So we have got this initiation, the agreement, and the fulfillment by saying, okay, let it be done to me as you will, Father. And Jesus goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And then he invites us to follow him unashamedly and be his witnesses.
Heavenly Father, I thank you that on this Sunday we are reminded even of our personal confrontation with the one who makes us see. I thank you that you have entered our lives. The fact that we are sitting here has something to do with the fact that you have drawn us and somebody else has been witness to us. But you are always the initiator. You're always the one that births faith into our lives and makes us see the way that you are seeing. And Lord, I pray that as we're on this journey, you help us to agree with you and to learn to stay connected in your presence. And then to always invite the Holy Spirit to help us to live out and fulfill that which you have born in, in us. That we're not just confessing who you are to us, the Messiah, the Lord, but that when you invite us onto this journey of self-denial and letting go, that we will follow joyfully, full of faith, knowing that death is not the end, but resurrection will come. In Jesus' name, amen.